Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Zen nicotine products are only for adults 21 plus who currently use tobacco or nicotine. Are you ready for a fresh start? And we mean a real fresh start with lasting change. Take the Zen 10 challenge and switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in a variety of tastes and strengths, Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start is here. Take the Zen 10 Challenge today at zen.com slash 10. That's Z-Y-N dot com slash 10. Ford Motor Company is committed to moving forward together with new all-electric vehicles that offer an efficient and exhilarating driving experience. Ford is going above and beyond to not only create the smartest, most connected EVs and technology, but to make sure that customers are well-educated on how to move forward with electric energy. Ford customers will also have easy and simple access to charge, whether you charge at home with the overnight plug-in Ford mobile charger or on the road. Journey into the future with Ford's lineup of electric vehicles with many affordable options to choose from. Head over to Ford.com to learn more. Built Ford Proud. AT&T Dream in Black wants to celebrate you, the change makers, innovators, and visionaries, uplifting their communities. If that's you, you don't want to miss the chance to power even greater possibilities. Enter the AT&T Black Future Makers Contest for a chance to win $10,000 and an AT&T 5G-enabled device. You got this? Learn more at attdreaminblack.com slash contest. Must be 18 and older. Other restrictions apply. Oh, gee. Make some noise. Hey, this is Mara Campo. You may know me from television as a reporter for shows like Dr. Oz and Good Morning America. But this podcast isn't about any of that. A few years ago, I started a major life transformation, losing 90 pounds and gaining a new understanding of how the mind, body, and spirit work together. That's what this is about. Your best life elevated. When it comes to her health, Clarissa Alayeto has had more challenges than most people. For one thing, she spent her entire life in a community ranked the unhealthiest part of New York State. The Bronx ranked 62nd of 62, dead last, thanks to quality of life factors like smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. At 34, she found herself obese and newly diagnosed with diabetes, the same disease that took the life of her beloved grandfather. It's a struggle she shares in the poignant short film, Not 62. I was just too big, always exhausted. Diabetes was a disease that plagued my family. My dad, he was diabetic. I saw my grandfather go into diabetic comas. And so I was like, I'm gonna go to the doctor and check my health out. I went to the doctor, did the physical, and he's like, you're diabetic. But as we see in the film, Clarissa is a lot stronger than her circumstances. I kept saying to myself, you know what, I'm going to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this, and not only for myself, but I want my grandmother to know before she goes that I'm okay. Try, and you fail, and then you give up. And then you come back later, and you try, and you fail, and you give up. And you do it again. Try, fail, give up. Try, 
fail, don't give up, do it again. Try, fail, do it again. Try, fail, celebrate successes when you do it again. On this episode of Elevated, I sit down with Clarissa Alieto about taking control of her health, triumphing over lifelong challenges, and never making any excuses. Carissa, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So the film is called Not 62 because it's about the part of the Bronx that you grew up in and the Bronx was considered the 62nd out of 62 counties. It's basically the unhealthiest part of New York State. What was it like growing up there? Um, It was fun. It was definitely fun. I love the Bronx. I'm a a proud Bronx native. Um, But um, there was a struggle. There was a struggle of poverty. There was a struggle of not having the greatest schools in the community, um, not having the healthy foods, healthy food options. Um, so it was like a, and it currently is a food desert um, in the South Bronx. When you, what do you mean by that? So when I say food desert, I mean like they, we, we don't have any options um, in terms of healthy produce or healthy supermarkets um, or, you know, that are within uh, the community's means, like, we can't afford certain foods or uh, certain families can't afford certain foods, but, um, mainly like they, there aren't any healthy options. If you look around in the South Bronx, particularly where I grew up, you have fast food on every corner, right? And, and on some blocks, even one block, you might have four different food chains, like a Taco Bell, McDonald's, Burger King. Mm. Um, and, and those are the options. Um, so it's difficult. It's difficult to make healthy choices when, the fastest, um, fastest option is yeah, and most tempting is the unhealthiest. Right. And right. so what, what was your, in terms of your health upbringing, what was your experience like? I mean, what kinds of foods did you grow up <sighs> eating? You know, were you drinking water or soda or juice? Right. What was that like? So growing up, um, we, I drank, we, we didn't think it, it's funny because I grew up in a household between a Puerto Rican household, a Cuban household, and a West Indian household. So the food was delicious, right? <laughs> High in salt, <laughs> very sweet, um, lots of cakes, lots of carbs. Um, so, so the food was definitely really good. We, we ate a lot of rice. Rice was always on the table. Um, pounds, lots, lots of rice. Rice, beans, fried foods. Um, I remember always going food shopping with my grandparents and I was always able to select the juices that I wanted. And I would always select like high C, tons of high C. So I always, I always had high C in the refrigerator. So I was always drinking high C juices and a lot of juice. I barely drank water. Like water wasn't an, like it wasn't really an option similar to a salad. Like we didn't really have salad around the table. And if we did, no one touched the salad. Right. <laughs> so it was mainly like lots of rice, lots of fried foods, um, high in salt. I, I always, I joke with my friends and say like, we, everything was like sasson and high salt seasoning. No, like just, just peppers and onions for today. It was just right. like lots of salt. And what about, you mentioned the fast food. Was fast food a big part of your diet? Um, so fast food growing up, was not a big part of my diet, actually. Uh, McDonald's was something we did like on Easter. <laughs> it wasn't something like now I see like McDonald's is just easy. People go there all the time. But I would say fast food was definitely not something we did all the time. But uh, this food that was that we ate at home wasn't the healthiest either. So it was home cooked, but it was just a lot of carbs, a lot of salt, fried, right. high fat. Right. And what about activity? Did, did you so, do a lot of activity? 
Growing up, I did. I did. I was very active. Um, I was always either riding my bike as a child outside. I really grew up playing basketball in the community. So I played basketball in school, basketball in the community. Basketball was life growing up. Um, So that kept me um, pretty active. And I wasn't obese as a child um, until later in life where I developed the obesity. So tell me about that. When did the weight start to creep up and when did it start to become a problem for you? So um, I started to gain this weight maybe around 24, which was after college. Um, I got like, I, I bought a car, had an office job. And so a lot of the times I would buy food, go through the drive-thru, eat my food in the car or go to my desk and eat. My, my level of activity was very minimal. Um, I didn't walk a lot. Everything was driving. Um, even if I was going short distance, I would drive. So, um, I really, the activity after school, after playing ball, I really stopped. I wasn't working out. I wasn't doing any exercise or, or really staying active. And how did that start to affect you? So I started to gain weight. Um, I noticed maybe in 2000, I know I was maybe 29 or 30 years old where, where I started to, f- feel like, wow, I really gained some weight. I wasn't at my biggest, but I had started to gain some weight and my doctor started to have these conversations with me about pre-diabetes and being pre-diabetic. And I thought about that and I know the consequences of that, but still in all, like change was difficult. Um, I continued my, my, like my, I just continued my regular routine. Of so that not, didn't scare you straight. It didn't scare me straight. Um, he would try. He would really have these conversations with me. And I appreciated my doctor so much for that, for being able to take the that time. That is really valuable. Because I actually, when I look back, because yeah, you know my story, I lost yeah. 90 pounds. Yeah. No doctor ever said a word to me about my weight. Right. Not one. Right. And I know that's a very sensitive conversation to have because our weight is tied into so many other things and you don't want to shame people. You want to be understanding of the factors that lead people to that place. But I often look back and think, I wonder why nobody ever called me on that. Right. Right. My doctor was very honest with me. (laughs) Um, and, And then it didn't hit me until later when he did diagnose me with diabetes. And at that point, I was 283 pounds. Did you feel like you were out of control, that you couldn't stop the weight gain? Did you just not care? Were you not, did you have your head in the sand? I mean, how did you get to that point? I definitely, I definitely did care. Um, there was a level of comfortability. Um, I thought I looked great. Well, I'm sure you look beautiful. And that's actually a really that's important a, point. It's not about vanity. You know, and when I post pictures, my befores and afters, my social media community is amazing. Right. And they always say like, well, you looked great before. And I appreciate that. It's not about not valuing Stuff. that beauty. It's about me wanting to feel my best. So I love that you say that. Right. But my grandmother was my biggest critic. Um, she would, would always say to, say to me, you know, Clarissa, I'm really concerned about your weight. It's really concerning. You know the history of the family. You know the diabetes runs in your family. And and it would bring her to tears, you know, to really talk about my health and her knowing the consequences and what road I would go down. What was the history of diabetes in your family? So both my dad and my my grandfather were diabetic and both died because of diabetes and other complications later after. Um, Once they were both diagnosed with diabetes, eventually there was heart condition. There were clogging of the arteries. My dad eventually got cancer. My grandfather had Alzheimer's, heart disease. Did you witness that? I did. I witnessed more of my grandfather's health because I was raised with my grandparents. So growing up, 
I think when I was about, I found, actually I found the letter that my grandmother had given to me written from my grandfather when he was a merchant marine. And it was in, it was written in in the seventies. And he said, you know, I'm sick. And the doctors Mm -hmm. thought it was malaria, but turns out that I have a sugar problem. Wow. Yeah. So that letter is like, so I, I, it's, I cherish it. Um, because it's, it was, they didn't really know what it was back then. And right. So now, um, you know, growing up and seeing him deal with this, like I would always see him inject himself with insulin. Mm. And I thought he was like the strongest person, like a hero or, you know, almost like a superhero because he was able to inject this needle right. into his, his stomach or his arm. Um, but then there were the real scary moments where he would lose consciousness and begin to sweat profusely and those things. And we had to call the ambulance and I would get nervous and I didn't know what was happening. And I thought he would die. You know, those were really scary. It was almost like traumatic seeing that. Right. That is trauma. Yeah. yeah. Growing up as a kid. And I was about 14 and 13 when I started to see those things mm-hmm. happening. Um, eventually they amputated his toes, they amputated his leg. Wow. And so we had to put him in a nursing home because my, he was too, he was a big man and we, my grandmother couldn't take care of him at home. Mm. And so this was your grandmother, his wife, his wife, who was then watching your weight creep up and saying, please do something. Right. When she would say those things to you, how would you feel? It would it definitely would uh, make me feel as though I had to do something. Um, but it was one of those, like, I know already. Like, stop telling me this. I already know. Right? Like, uh, why? I would always say to her, why are you always commenting on my weight? Why are you always talking about my health? Um, and she would just say, I'm just really concerned. I'm really concerned. Yeah. She didn't want to see you go through what right. her husband went through. So you get to the point where you're, you're getting that same diagnosis. The doctor is telling you that you have diabetes. What was that like? So when he when he said to me that I was diabetic, I was almost in shock, although I knew that I was pre-diabetic and I didn't make any change. But my grandfather's whole story kind of flashed before me. And I knew I had to change something um, because now I had to go back to my grandmother and I debated, should I tell her, you know, this is what she's been warning me about the entire time. And now she's in her, you know, late nineties. And I don't know, I mean, not late nineties, but she was at, I think 90 at the, at the time. And I was like, this is going to probably make her sick. Um, and sure enough, I, I went, I went home and I I spoke to my grandmother and I said, you know, I want to tell you something and I know what you're going to say. Um, but, I'm going to make a change. I want you to know that I am going to make a change. And I told her this story. I said, you know, the doctor said I'm diabetic. And she says, I knew it. I knew that was coming. And she shed tears. And she was like, I'm really concerned about your health. You have to change it. And so for about two weeks, I was depressed. I was like, because I had no, I didn't know what to do, how to change it. Right. Where to go? Um, at this feel powerless. Yeah. At this point. Such an insurmountable obstacle. Right. Um, I remember calling my best friend on the corner right after leaving the doctor's office in tears. Like, you know, the doctor just said I was diabetic. And I'm thinking I'm, I'm 30 at the time, 34 years old. Now I'm thinking amputations. I'm thinking, and I'm like, I'm only 34. So for two weeks I became depressed. I was just thinking like, what am I going to do? And, and then after the two weeks, I said, okay, I'm going to start reading about different foods and exercises that can, will help me um, 
maybe I can change this. I didn't even think about um, never having diabetes again. It wasn't a thing where I was thinking like, can I reverse this? Can this go away? I, I It was almost like I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life. Um, but then as I started researching, I learned that this is something that potentially can go away if you just make the, the changes. So I started to make those changes. And the first thing I did was cut out soda. Mm. I was a huge soda drinker. How much soda were you drinking? Oh, man. I, I was drinking at least two to three cans a day. Okay. A regular soda, a not regular diet soda. soda. Yeah, no, not diet soda. What was it like when you cut that out? A lot of people think it, they go through withdrawal. So I, I cut out little by little. So I would say mm-hmm. I'd have a soda a week maybe if I wanted a soda, but I was just going with water for the most part. Mm-hmm. I was also big on Snapple. Snapple iced tea, which I thought was a healthier choice. Right. Still full of sugar. Still full of sugar. What was it like to start drinking water? Like, did you did you feel like, oh, this is so boring and tasteless and I'm hating it? Or was it like, oh, this is kind of great? Because I it was transition to it water too. And I was you know, like, this is boring. It is. It was boring. But I think at this point, I just wanted something different, something to change about my health so bad that water, if water was going to do that, I was just embracing that. Um, so I, I started drinking a lot more water, something like a gallon and a half a day. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. And then completely cut out all sugar beverages. So I got to a point where I didn't, and it's interesting because now I go to the store and automatically I just go for water. Right. That wasn't the case, right? It was a struggle, but, um, I've been now two years of just drinking water. Mm-hmm. You have to change those habits. That's you the hard part. The what other changes did you make? Um, so I definitely made changes to my food, my diet. Um, I, and one of the things that I did, I started meal prepping. Uh, so I started every Sunday dedicating four hours of my day. Four hours. Four hours of my day. Wow. And I still dedicate four hours what of my day. What four hours do you do? So right after the gym, I go get groceries. And then usually it's about one to four, one to five, okay. five-ish. You spend your whole day Sunday. My whole Sunday. So folks already know, like, <laughs> Clarissa's out of commission on Sundays. And what is it that are you doing? You know, you see those pictures on Instagram where people have, like, 12 of the same yes, meal laid it. out in the containers. You that's do that? It. I do that. Wow. Yeah, that's so, really admirable. Because yeah. for me, meal prepping just make, means huge batches of stuff. Right. So that then on the weeknight, just, I can put it in the Tupperware for the next day. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't have the patience. Right. For all- <laughs> those are... I, I would do that if I didn't have time. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there are those days where you just don't have time. You just make like, I'm just going to go for one big meal and then just right. divide it up. Mm-hmm. But um, usually, yeah, my meal preps are sometimes I'll prep um, breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, but then other times I'll make my breakfast every morning mm-hmm. and then I'll already have lunch and dinner. And this is for the whole rest of the week. For the entire week. Now, do you sit down and plan like what meals you're going to have? When do you do that? And how much time does that take? Because you so, have to have a grocery list. <laughs> right. So the, the, the boring part about meal prepping and like. It's all really, boring. What it's part all of it is boring. fun? <laughs> it's that you're you're going to eat the same foods a lot of the times unless you really have time to like research different recipes. Right. Um, I don't really have the time all the time to research different res- recipes. So I'm eating a lot of the same foods mm-hmm. all the time. So what are you generally eating? Um, so generally for breakfast, I'll eat, um, I have two or three different breakfasts that I, I can make, which are, um, I'll either have yogurt with mixed fruit, so plain Greek yogurt with mixed fruit, mm-hmm. or um, egg whites with spinach, um, or avocado and toast. 
Okay. Which is my favorite avocado toast. Yeah. It's my favorite <laughs> and easiest to, to make. But um, for avocados lunch. Avocados are hard though because like they're never ripe. They're never right. It's tough. They you have a window. It's so small. You do have a window. <laughs> yeah, you do have a window. But um, and lunch is usually a salad with some form of protein. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll do uh like really lean, maybe like flank steak or uh shrimp for lunch or chicken. Uh, and then in the evening for dinner, I'm always it's it's some some sort of fish. So it's either like uh mainly salmon. I mainly do salmon. And um, like a sweet potato, like a half a sweet potato with some kind of some other vegetable. Mm -hmm. So what are the changes you've made? You cut out sugary beverages. Cut out sugary beverages. I now exercise. Uh, so five five days a week I exercise. What what exercise do you do? Um, so I I take a spin class uh, five days a week, four to five days a week, and I also add strength training two to three days a week. Okay. Um, so I'm doing that. Uh, so I'm working out at least an hour and a half mm. a day. Every day. Well, those days that I do go to the gym. Right. Yeah. Sometimes right. because if I do cardio and strength training the same day, it's an hour and a half. Right. But if I'm just doing cardio, it's 45 to an hour. I think a lot of people don't realize how much time yeah. is spent supporting the lifestyle that will allow you to be your healthiest self that has nothing to do with being in the gym or actually eating healthy food, like the support work, the planning your meals, the grocery shopping, the cooking, the laundry from working out. Like it is an, it's a whole new full-time, it's a big commitment. It is. One that is well worth it though. So what were the results? You started doing this work. You did it all on your own. You you didn't hire a nutritionist. No nutritionist. You didn't hire a trainer. No special supplements. Fancy gym membership? No fancy gym. Actually, I just had a gym membership that was 29 bucks. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a small gym that was between work and home because there was no excuse. No excuses. So yeah, there was no excuse for me, you know, and still living in the Bronx. And still living in the Bronx. So all of the things that were around you growing up, all of the fast Are food, still... the difficulty finding produce, all of that stuff is still your reality. Right. But you found a way to work around that. Right. So what were the results? So uh, I eventually uh, lost 90 pounds. Yes. yes. <laughs> that, was, that, that was big. How long did it take? Um, took me about a year and a half to right. lose the 90 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um I also am no longer diabetic. Yes. yes. That, was, that, <laughs> that was a big celebration. Like we That's celebrated amazing. that in my family. Like, you know, we had to celebrate that. What did your doctor that. say? He when- was stunned. He was so, I mean, he, that's not the regular story. It's not. So he, he was really, he even said, look, I didn't think you were going to do this, you know, um, but he was really proud of me. He just retired. So I'm a little sad about that, but he was really proud. He was definitely proud that right. we were able to make that happen. Right. And you're also giving back to the yes. community. Yes. How are definitely. you doing that? So um, after doing this, I know that my community is is really one of the unhealthiest communities. And uh, a lot of families, this is their story of having diabetes or someone's dying from diabetes. And so I decided to um, become a fitness instructor and bring free classes to my community where people can just exercise once a week for 45 minutes a day for 45 minutes. And what kind of exercise? So we, I do cardio sculpting. So it's a really fun cardio and, and sculpting at 45 minutes together and building community and also like trying to 
I try to bring as many resources to the community as possible about health and nutrition. Why is that important to you? It's important because I think after, before becoming or living this healthier lifestyle, um, I didn't feel as energetic. I didn't feel as motivated. Um, you know, I was pretty much very, very down, um, not, not really energetic all the time. And I think once people realize that if you change the way you're living in terms of health, you'll feel better. You'll probably do more. Um, I have a lot of friends who struggle with obesity and because of that are not working. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a real, there's a real, uh, like domino effect. To, Everything's connected. Right. And your mental health and depression. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's really important, especially in a community like the South Bronx, where I'm from, to give back, especially after doing it, having the knowledge to just give that back and, mm. and tell people medication is not the end all. Right. Right. Because food is medicine, too. Right. So what would you say to someone who's listening to this and they have people have challenges and challenges are real? Yes. Maybe someone has an injury. Maybe they're depressed. Maybe they feel like their challenges are insurmountable. But what do you say to people who feel like for whatever reason, they just can't make the changes that they want to make in their life? Uh, I say usually I find that folks, at least some folks that I've come in contact with, that struggle with this are, are thinking the long-term goal all the time, right? Um, the goal of losing this, I, I just want to lose 50 pounds or mm-hmm. I just want to lose a hundred pounds and that kind of, or I just want to get rid of these ailments. And that becomes almost like a barrier because that's the long-term goal. And we're not looking at the short-term goals of making like one change a day, right? Like drink more water that day. Um, maybe take a 20 minute walk, right? Like, some do something every day that's different or out of your normal activity that would help. And those small changes. Those small changes really impact the larger yeah. goal. They make a big difference. Yeah. Clarissa, thank you for being such an example. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me. And congratulations thank on everything you so you've much. accomplished. I don't I sometimes I feel like when it's us accomplishing things, we don't stop and recognize them enough and we don't stop and clap for ourselves and be like, damn, <laughs> right? I did that. Right. But congratulations. You did thank something you. huge. Thank you so much. Where can people find you on social media and where can they see the short documentary? Yeah, they can definitely it's it's on my Instagram, it's in my bio, it's a link in my bio, and they can find that at cool. C-O-O-L underscore RISS, R-I-S-S. Carissa, thank you. Thank you so much. New episodes of Elevated drop on Mondays. Please subscribe and review. In the meantime, send me questions, ideas, or feedback. I'm on all social platforms as Mara Scampo. And use the hashtag Elevated Podcast. Sponsorship for this podcast is brought to you by Ford, built Ford proud. Ford is going above and beyond in innovation to create the smartest, most connected EVs and technology on the market. With charging made easy with the overnight plug-in Ford mobile charger, as well as over 19,000 charging stations in the Blue Oval Charge Network. See why Ford's new EVs are redefining what electric can do. Journey into the future with Ford's lineup of electric vehicles with many exciting and affordable options to choose from. Head over to Ford.com to learn more about the electric revolution. Built Ford Proud.
Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, at an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Zoo your wild side with the Zoo Pass. It's so easy to explore all the wild things at the zoo. With a new Zoo Pass, you get four free e-coupons to use on the safari train sponsored by North Shore Bank, the carousel sponsored by Penzies, or this summer's special exhibit, Dino Don's Dragon Kingdom, sponsored by Sendix Food Market. A Zoo Pass gives you free regular Milwaukee County Zoo admission. Plus, a family Zoo Pass can pay for itself after two visits. Order yours at ZooPass.com.